Well, I had prepared a message on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, for this morning, but I feel like in light of all the events that have happened in the last week, I needed to address what the Bible has to say to us at this particular time. I know, first of all, that all of us were absolutely horrified at the uh, killing of George Floyd by the policeman there in Minneapolis and to see them kneel on his neck for over eight minutes with him pleading for his life and other people pleading for him was a horrific thing and uh, I know we don't know all the details but you don't have to know all the details to know that that was unnecessary and uncalled for and a travesty of justice. The amazing thing to me is that throughout the whole country uh, that has been decried. I think every police chief in America, every mayor, every governor, everybody all the way to the White House has spoken on how horrible that event was. And then just as horrible in many ways are the events that have followed that event. Uh, what has happened the last three days, three nights in uh, Minneapolis and Atlanta and Los Angeles, and Denver and here in Dallas is uh, totally uh, counterproductive to any kind, any kind of uh, uh, hope that things could have gotten better. I think that has been has accomplished the opposite, if anything. So I wanted to take just a few minutes this morning, and then I want us to close our service by just spending some time in prayer. But uh, I've got 15 things that I want to say, and I'm not going to take 10 minutes on each one. But uh, I am going to, you know, you're already figuring that's 150 minutes. So you're thankful that I'm not going to take 10 minutes on each one. But I'm going to take a couple of minutes on each one. And the first one is that uh, the Bible is clear that the actions of man are overridden by the purpose of God. Nothing can happen in this world that God cannot use for his glory and for our good. The most horrible things. In fact, in uh, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, after Joseph had been falsely accused, after he had been uh, despised by his brothers, sold off into slavery, lied about, uh, bought as a slave, falsely accused as a rapist, thrown in prison, and... Uh, and all of those things, at the end of all of it, when he faces his brothers, and uh, uh, now he has been moved by the providence of God into a position of prominence and authority, and his brothers are terrified at him, and his, his answer to them was, look, I know you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And he goes on to say, God actually sent me here. And the brothers must have thought, no, God didn't send you here. We are the ones that caused you to go to Egypt. No, he said, God has overridden the evil actions of men. And that just gives me comfort. No matter what's happening in the world, it gives me comfort to know that even though things shock and surprise us, there is no panic in heaven. And God is not wringing his hands saying, oh, my, oh, my, what am I going to do? No, he knows ahead of time exactly what his purposes are, even in the evil schemes of men. My second thought was that the, 
The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, that the mystery of iniquity is already at work. The mystery of iniquity. The mystery of lawlessness is at work. And it is at work. Just as surely as God has an ultimate plan, Satan has an alternate plan that he tries to work, and he is always working to try to thwart, try to confuse uh, the people of God. And if he could, he would destroy the purpose of God. Of course, he cannot, but he is working. And all the stuff that we see, whether it is injustice or whether it is violence, these are acts of lawlessness. And so I just want you to know, Satan is at work. The powers of evil are at work. And from a divine perspective, from heaven's point of view, God is using all of the evil actions of men to accomplish an ultimate purpose. And uh, that doesn't mean we, in fact, it absolutely doesn't mean that we shouldn't do everything we can to stop evil But it does mean that the evil that we cannot stop, that God is somehow or another unable to use it. He can, he will, he does use the evil actions of men. But from a human perspective, we are called to be salt and light in our culture. We are called to do all that we can, both on our knees and with our hands, to try to make things right, to try to stop evil in any place we find it, in any way that we can, and to cry out to God in prayer for Him to act when we cannot act. So we pray uh, and work for peace and for justice. And that's the next thing that I had written down here is that we do pray for justice. Wrong should be recognized and wrong should justly be dealt with and punished. And uh, no matter who it is, no matter, no person in America, from the Constitution's perspective, no person in America is above the law. The law is king. Rex Lex. The law is king. That's some Latin for you, Matthew. Rex Lex. And, uh, The law is over the president. The law is over every police officer. The law is over every governor. The law is over all. Now, I know many times it's not applied equally. Many times it is abused. But I want to tell you something. All you have to do is make a one-month journey to almost any other country in the world. And you'll come back home and you will get on your knees and thank God for the the civil government that we have in America. And uh, so we must pray for justice. We do pray for justice. And then we must pray for racial harmony. And we have for years. I, my Facebook has just been flooded. I've been carrying on a pretty heated discussion with a guy in Seattle. Uh, no, it's not your son. But uh, but uh, uh, about 
He, is, he, he believes all these riots and all the looting and everything, he believes that's right. He believes they ought to be doing even more of it. And so he and I have been talking pretty, uh, well, we've been talking about it. And uh, I told him, I have so many people in the African-American community who love me, and I love them. I have so many people of color that I never, I don't ever think, I'm not afraid of them. They're not afraid of me. And so I don't identify. And I know if I lived in other part of the city or something, I might. But I believe that we can have racial harmony. Listen to this passage in 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. Whoever, by the way, if I were preaching a graduation message, this would be the text I would be using, Matthew. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, is that pretty much everybody? Don't you want to love life and see good days? He says, whoever wants to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil. And in our day, that would also mean your fingers uh, on your keyboard. And his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Not just... uh, I just hope for it. Do everything you can to run it down, to, to pursue it. And for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So we pray for, and we work, and we do all that we can for racial harmony. I've talked with our police chief here in Glen Heights, and thankfully, it's just it's not, a, not a problem right here or in Ovilla right now, but I don't know. Uh, Brother Al, do you know anything about DeSoto? And, and, yeah. Uh, I, I haven't heard anything there, but it is it's bad in Dallas. Last night around the Fair Park area, I know there was some very, very serious writing. And uh, I talked with one of the officers that was there. He said it was like a war zone. So somehow or another, we must pray for and seek peace and pursue it in every way that we can. Pray for racial harmony. My seventh thought is that people of color, both African-American, Hispanic, Asian-Americans, Middle Eastern people, often are unjustly treated in American culture. It's just the truth, isn't it? And uh, Brother Leroy McClure, one dear friend of ours, 
African-American. In fact, he's preached here a couple of times. He was on the school board for Ovilla Christian School, only African-American on the school board. And many times our school board meetings would go till 10 or 11 o'clock at night, and we would all leave in our car. I would drive off. I'd see the police officer sitting out there. He'd wave at me. Others would drive off. When Brother Leroy drove off, they pulled him over. What are you doing here? He said, oh, I'm on the school board here at this church, this school. And he said, well, you know, why did you stop me? He said, well, we saw a black man pulling out of a white church at 11 o'clock at night. So Brother Leroy said he got arrested for DWB, driving while black. And unfortunately, it's just the truth sometimes, isn't it? We can hate it, we can deny it, but it's just the truth. And uh, Hispanic people many times mistreated just as much. And I've told you about the time I took a lady, a brother, Brother Jenner Ballesteros' wife, to the hospital, St. Paul Hospital was at that time. And they just, we couldn't get any attention for it at all. Everybody else got served but her. And I went up and said, what is going on here? This lady has been here four hours. And people who've come in after her, you've seen them, but you haven't seen her. And they didn't admit it. But the fact is, it's because she wasn't white. So we just have to admit it, that people of color are still mistreated many times by certain segments of American culture. However, that needs to be, and I know I need to be speaking somewhere else to say the rest of this, but that needs to be an extra motivation to work hard, study hard, be respectful, be obedient, and I was a teenager and a college student in the 50s and the 60s, and people of color at that time had no privileges and they had no opportunities. No matter how hard they studied, no matter how hard they worked, they were still treated with total disrespect. But that is not true today. And I say to young black men, if you will be respectful, if you will study, if you will be responsible, you can become anything that you want to become. Yeah, it may be a slider uphill, but you can do it. And, uh, and I've had some argue with me, but those who have done it, like Dr. Ben Carson and hundreds, thousands of others, in fact, right now in America, there are multitudes of African Americans who are successful businessmen, corporate presidents, uh, 
coaches, legislators, governors, mayors, because they've worked hard and they've been responsible, they've been respectful. So, um, let me let me go on. We should be angry. If I were if I were black, I think I would feel some anger more than I feel as a white man. I think I would feel anger if I knew that my great-grandparents had been slaves and were mistreated by white people. Even though none of those people are alive today, I think I would still feel some residual anger for it. And then if I were mistreated by white people today, it would stoke that anger even more. And then if I saw one of my fellow blacks killed by people who were supposed to be the protectors, I think I would be very, very angry. And if I were not a Christian, I would want to lash out and take out that anger, especially if I had lost my job because of the coronavirus, and if I'd been cooped up in the house for eight weeks, I don't know what I might do if I weren't a Christian. But I know that as a Christian, it's okay to be angry. I've been angry. I'm a little angry right now, to tell you the honest truth. But the Bible tells us to be angry, but don't sin and we can be angry angry enough to try to make a difference but not angry enough to harm other people or property number 10 much of the rioting that's happened in the last three days has little to do with race. It has, it's orchestrated to destroy America. It is against the constitutional free enterprise government of the United States of America. There are those who for years have wanted to bring this country to a place where it has, it's no longer a superpower. It's just like all the other nations of the world. And they are working very hard, and they are stoking much of this anger. And they are, many of them are even financially supporting the riots. And they're bringing pallets of bricks and setting them in the streets so these rioters will have rocks to throw. There's people orchestrating that. That's not just happening. But it's using the anger 
the rightfully understood anger in the hearts of people of all colors to try to destroy the constitutional government of the United States of America. Now, having said that, I would say America has earned some judgment. Let me tell you, in ancient Israel, when the people became idolatrous and greedy and arrogant and immoral, God brought judgment on that nation. And there are few nations, maybe no nation in the world, that has had the heritage, the privilege, the prosperity that we have enjoyed in the United States of America. And for this nation to sanction abortion, to have 60 million babies killed legally, and to sanction marriage between two men and two women, and to sanction the widespread of pornography and filth and not even be considered illegal, to fill our movies and our televisions with profanity and perversion, and to worship gold more than God. For anybody to say God shouldn't judge America don't understand the Bible. They don't understand sin. And they may not even understand their own heart. America does deserve judgment. Our past deserves it. And our present deserves it. And that's the reason that God calls us to be the first ones to repent. He says judgment has to start at the house of God. We are the salt of the land. We are the light of the world. And if we hide that light under a bushel, how will the place be illuminated? If the salt loses its saltiness, wherewith will it be salted? It's good only to be cast out and trodden under the feet of men. So, We are part of the answer. We have to act. It's not enough to just sit and watch our televisions and curse the events that are happening. We must take action both on our knees and on our feet. And then I would say to my black brothers and sisters who aren't here today, This is a time that people are open to some conversation. When I saw George Floyd die on that video that all of us have seen, I could hardly watch it. But when I saw that happen, I said, everybody, Christian or non-Christian in America, will recognize this is wrong.
And this would be the time that every mayor, every governor, every city councilman, and every pastor could say, let's talk. Let's get the blacks and the whites together and let's talk and ask these questions. How can we serve better? What can we do to help? But unfortunately, the reaction took away that chance. Now, the mayors and the governors are not saying, let's talk. They're saying, we need to call in the military. We need to call in the National Guard. We need to use stronger force. What a tragedy to me that we miss the opportunity. That, that the African-American community missed the opportunity to say, in light of this travesty, let's talk. And then to the whites, and just to the non-African Americans, I would say what Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17 says. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. And it's coming up on the board here just in a second. I'm going to read it. Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the full use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What a, what a verse for right now. Look carefully how you walk, how you talk, what you say, how you interact with people. Don't be unwise, but be wise. Making the best use, the full use, the most meaningful use of the time. Why? Because these are evil days. There are threats all about us. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. So this is the time to seek peace, to not react. When I was in high school, we boys would play a silly game called swap out. We'd get out on the playground, and one of the boys would say, hey, let's play swap out. And what you did was that he would hit me on the arm, and then he would turn his arm, and I'd hit him back. And I'd try to hit him harder than he hit me. And then I'd turn my arm back, and he'd try to hit me harder than I'd just hit him. And so each hit escalated in its punch power until finally somebody would give and say, I, I'm through, I'm through. 
I learned real quick that when somebody wanted to play swap out with me, I said, you hit first. They'd hit, and I'd say, I give, I give. I, I'm, I'm through. But I tell you, what I learned is that trying to get even never gets you even. It just escalates the power of the punch. And if this person does something to this person and he tries to get them back and then they get him back, it just always gets worse and worse and worse. This is a time not to react. It's a time to repent and to dialogue and to listen. And then uh, there is a slavery in America today. But it is a slavery to selfishness and to sin and to sensuality and addiction of all kinds and hatred and malice. That's what people are enslaved to in America today. I don't want to be a slave. I want to be a servant of Jesus Christ. I want to be a bond servant to Jesus Christ. But I do not want to be a slave to hate, to anger, to malice. And uh, so what is the answer? The gospel is the answer. It really is. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. And I appreciate it. Is that... Uh, is that Simon or is that it's Simon? He's doing a good job. His dad is, uh, had to leave for a graduation, Red Oaks graduation. So Simon is finding 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. There we go. No, 2 Corinthians. That's probably a good one too. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. This is my last, this is the 15th point, by the way, so we're almost finished. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. I'll go ahead and get started reading it, and then it'll come. He'll get it up there. Well, Second Corinthians. <laughs> You're getting closer, though. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse beginning in verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearances and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we've concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. That's the essence of the gospel. And then verse 15, 
and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. It's the gospel. And then the next verse. From now on, therefore, we regard no man according to the flesh. We don't look at color. We don't look at external appearance. We don't look at the flesh. And even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we thought of him as a Jew or Middle Eastern or whatever, we regard him thus no longer. And then verse 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ... It's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know that there was a time when you and I were enemies of God, set against him, and through the cross, he reconciled us to himself at great cost. And now he has given to you and to me the ministry of reconciliation. That word reconciliation means making friends of enemies. Making friends of enemies. That's the ministry that we have. We have it vertically by helping non-Christians who are enemies of God become friends with God. But we also have it horizontally, making those who are enemies with each other friends with each other. And it can happen. I tell you, over the years, I've seen people who were haters of this group and people in this group who were haters of this group who both came to the cross and they became brothers in Christ. They were reconciled to one another. And uh, that's, that's our ministry. That's who we are. That's who, what we're called to be and to do. To reconcile. Now, I want us to close our service today. And Stephanie, I I didn't determine this till this morning, or I would have let you know. We're not going to have an invitation hymn. I want us to just take the next uh, few minutes and pray. If uh, if you can and would like to, would like to kneel by the pew, or if you'd like to come up here and kneel at the altar uh, do that but let's just take the next say five minutes that's not much time is it but let's just take the next five minutes and pray first of all for God to work in our own heart to rid us of any prejudice any any anger malice hatred and then pray for reconciliation. Let's pray. As you continue to pray, I urge you to make it part of your prayer confession.
confessing that as individual Christians many times and as church, as a culture, that we have sinned against God and against others. Then make it a time of specific prayer for specific people. If you know specific people who are deeply affected by what's going on, pray for them. It may be a police officer. It may be a neighbor. It may be a friend. maybe may be a relative. But lift them up. then make part of your prayer a prayer for revival. Lord, send a sweeping, weeping, reaping revival across our nation at a time when people are tense, at a time when people are afraid. afraid. This would be a great time for people's hearts to turn to you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the grace that you've shown to us. We were enemies. We were despicable. There was in our heart all kinds of vile sin. And we deserved nothing except judgment and wrath. And yet in sovereign grace, almost unimaginable grace, You reached into our dark, dead, defiled hearts and you said, live. And you brought us to the cross and you brought us to Christ and he gave us life and brought us to you. So, Father, we can never praise you enough for what you've done in us. But because you have worked mightily in us now you have given to us the message and the ministry to say to others be reconciled be reconciled to God be reconciled to one another help us to fulfill that ministry and bear that message in Jesus name All right. And I would ask you to just continue in uh, prayer. You know, what happens is you watch the news. It happens to me too. It, it appeals to emotions. It doesn't appeal to our spirit. It bypasses the spirit and it appeals directly to feelings, to emotions. And uh, when that happens, it's important to bring every thought into captivity to Jesus and realize these 15 things and that God is using this to help me and for a good purpose. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website www.bearcreekbaptist.org If you're not a member of another church, 
we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.